Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Backheeled Show. My name is Joe Lowry, and on today's episode, we're chatting all about the USMNT after their 2-1 loss to Serbia at BMO Stadium in Los Angeles on Wednesday night. And we're also going to talk about some big changes in U.S. soccer that comes off the back of sporting director Ernie Stewart leaving to head over to PSV Eindhoven in the Netherlands. We're going to get through all of this in near rapid-fire fashion because here on the Backyield Show, we believe that just because soccer games are 90 minutes long doesn't mean that soccer podcasts have to be. So sit back, enjoy a cup of coffee, enjoy your lunch, whatever it is. We're going to get you through here in 10 minutes or less. Let's get to it and talk soccer. We're going to get to the USMNT stuff and some observations from their first game post-World Cup in just a second. But first, let's talk U.S. soccer. I mentioned it just a moment ago. U.S. soccer sporting director Ernie Stewart is leaving U.S. soccer to join Dutch club PSV Eindhoven. A little bit of background here and sort of why this is important. So Ernie Stewart was hired in 2018 as the U.S. men's national team's very first general manager. He led the process to hire Greg Berhalter, which was completed in December of 2018 when Berhalter was officially hired. He was promoted then, Ernie Stewart, to sporting director in August of 2019 and then helped hire Brian McBride to replace him in his old role in January of 2020. McBride is now no longer with U.S. Soccer. He's moving on to something different. Ernie Stewart now is no longer with U.S. Soccer. He's moving over to PSV, and there's no manager right now on the U.S. men's national team side of U.S. Soccer. So those are three massive roles that are unfilled. This all essentially leaves U.S. Soccer with a blank slate on the men's side. This is big ahead of 2026. There is a massive chance here for U.S. Soccer to get it right and to build the right structure and find the right people to help elevate the men's side of the program and U.S. soccer as a whole to the next level. There's also a chance here to miss in a big way, to miss on hiring a sporting director, on hiring a men's national team coach, to miss on the next generation, even on the women's national team side. It's a blank slate. It really, really is. U.S. soccer held a press conference on Thursday morning. I was on that conference call. There's a few things that we learned from that call, and I'm going to run through the ones that I think are most relevant. First, according to U.S. soccer CEO J.T. Batson, The new sporting director, quote, will choose our men's national team coach, but U.S. soccer president Cindy Parlo-Cone, along with Sportsology Group, which is a sports consulting firm, will also be involved in the search. But either way, don't expect U.S. soccer to go out and hire a manager for the men before they've hired a sporting director. There's no firm timeline, according to U.S. soccer, but Cindy Parlo-Cone did say, quote, we would love to have the sporting director in place prior to the Women's World Cup. That's a tournament that kicks off this summer towards the end of July. That means, and this is relevant to the USMNT, that means we'll likely see Anthony Hudson continue as the men's interim manager through this summer's tournaments. That's the Nations League for the men and the Gold Cup this summer. Cindy Parlo-Cone also mentioned they want to have the men's national team coach in place by the end of the summer. So that is a key piece of information. The sporting director hire is going to come first. They're evaluating the structure of the front office. They did mention that it seems like a GM is going to be hired as well for the men's side, but I personally wouldn't be shocked if we saw a bit of a shakeup and we saw a different structure on the men's side than the women's side. And then we're going to see the U.S. men's national team manager hired at the earliest, it seems like, this summer, but certainly not before the sporting director. That's the latest from U.S. soccer. Ernie Stewart is on his way out. Brian McBride is gone. There is no men's national team manager. 
We're going to get more updates on all of this over the next few months. We'll cover that along with other relevant USMNT news here on The Backfield Show. Okay, let's talk about on-field stuff for the USMNT right now. They had a game against Serbia on Wednesday night in LA, a 2-1 loss in a January camp friendly. The result means very, very little for the U.S. It doesn't matter that they lost in the first game of a new World Cup cycle. This was not their first team, but really the most useful thing we can learn from these January camp games, the one last night against Serbia and the one coming up on Saturday against Colombia, is who looks like they can join the U.S.'s core of really strong and impressive players. So there's a number of players that I thought stood out. I was there in person at BMO Stadium to watch this game. I want to run through five players that I thought played well last night. First up is Alan Senora. I've talked about him before. I've written about him for Backheel.com. Really energetic and skillful left-footed central midfielder. 24 years old, is looking for a club, will probably land at MLS. Wasn't flawless, isn't 90 minutes fit, but as he's searching for a club, he put in a good performance. He was the most capable on-ball presence in central midfield. He was aggressive. He tried to take the game to Serbia. He is absolutely a player that I want to see more of for the U.S. I'd love to see him again on Saturday as he's ramping up to full fitness, and I'd love to see him in Major League Soccer, and then again in March, and then maybe again in the summer. I think he is someone that could add real depth for the U.S. behind Musa and McKenney in those number eight spots. So that's the first player who impressed me. Brendan Vasquez is the next one. He started up top in his very first cap for the United States men's national team and scored a lovely header off of a cross from Julian Gressel. I mean, the recipe is simple here, right? Be the number nine, put the ball in the back of the net, contribute in as many other areas of the game as you can. Brandon Vasquez checked all of those boxes. Like Senora, I want to see him again, ideally on Saturday and certainly beyond because I think he's earned it at this point. The third player that stood out to me in a positive way last night against Serbia was Cade Cowell, who I thought was a menace on the left side. Started a little bit slow, as did really the entire U.S. team, but he was aggressive, he was quick, he was strong. He did all of the classic Cade Cowell stuff. But he also showed a little bit of technical ability. He showed some work in tight spaces. I chatted with Kate Cowell earlier this year for a piece that went up on Backheel.com about sort of what the next step is for him. And one of the things he said to me was, you know, got to continue to develop my technical ability. Got to continue to do cone drills, all that stuff. He's talked before about how he maybe didn't do as many of those close control training exercises growing up as now he wishes he, he should have or, or could have. So I think we're starting to see Cowell maybe improve in that way. I think we saw good glimpses last night. I just want to see more, and I want to see more, and I want to see more with the USU-20s, with the San Jose Earthquakes, maybe with the senior team. I don't think that anybody really needs to rush his translation to the full national team, but still a good sign for him. Now, in goal, Gaga Slonina, I thought was excellent, had a lovely double save in the first half that showed fantastic strength and composure. Really good moment from him, had a few big saves in that game. This kid's 18. He's in Chelsea right now. It seems like Chelsea want to keep him in and around the team for the rest of this season. The sky is the limit for Gaga Slonina, and we saw a reason why. Chelsea paid $10 million for him from the Chicago Fire. So I liked what I saw from Gaga Slonina. And the fifth player here, Alejandro Zendejas. I liked what I saw from him. He didn't take over the game, but this is a player that is wanted by both Mexico and the U.S., who I think could add a real value to the U.S. in the final third. He's skillful. He likes to combine. He gives you something in the final third that maybe a Brendan Aronson and maybe even, this is crazy to say, but maybe even a Christian Pulisic doesn't fully bring you, given that Pulisic really likes to operate in transition. So just someone to keep your eye on out there as you're watching Zendayas, maybe with Club America or with the U.S. if he comes back in March. Now, those are the players that I thought did well. Players who struggled, I'll rattle through these a little more quickly. 
Aiden Morris started the six for the U.S. I don't think he was very clean and decisive on the ball. Paxton Pomichol started as the left side at number eight. The same exact thing applies to him. Jonathan Gomez didn't look fully ready to play a game at this level on the left side of the back line. It's not a huge surprise given that he's not playing for Real Sociedad right now over in Spain. And then Julian Gressel, I thought, did good stuff in the attack. His defending was suspect, as was really everybody in that wall, especially Walker Zimmerman for Serbia's opening goal. Just information that we can file away in the back of our heads on all of those players, not ruling any of them out for future games at the national team at any level, but just some things that I learned about them from this match against Serbia. That's it for this episode of The Backheeled Show. The U.S. men's national team will be back in action on Saturday against Colombia. Then they've got CONCACAF Nations League games coming up in March. We'll be here to talk about all of that stuff here on The Backheeled Show and on Backheeled.com. For now, we'll talk to you soon. Oh,